Do School Better, a podcast for people who want to transform education. Join Doris Corda, Hawkins School's Associate Head and Director of Entrepreneurial Studies, as she shares her experience as an educational reformer told through conversations with Assistant Directors Tim Desmond and Allison Tanker. How is entrepreneurship education useful for K-12 students? In this episode, Doris talks to Steve Blank, Stanford professor and creator of Lean Launchpad, about how students learn creative problem solving for today's world in courses that incorporate the same methodologies Steve designed for use by engineers, graduate school students, and entrepreneurs. You know, we met a while ago, and a few years ago, and you were still at the point where you were training a lot of graduate school professors on Lean Launchpad, and uh, it was sort of what I would call kind of the early days, and even then you were very interested in what we're doing with K-12, and I, I, I'm just wondering why, you know, why were you interested then? Why are you interested now? What is... Well, you know, um, one of the things I wanted to do with uh, uh, lean methodology um, was a couple things. One is I wanted to change how startups were building their companies in Silicon Valley, which was the original intent. I just thought there was a smarter way to use resources, time, people, money, etc. that we were essentially um, had spent the 20th century telling startups that they were nothing more than smaller versions of large companies. Yeah. But when in fact that startups were very different, large companies execute known business models, meaning they know who their customers and partners and everything else is, but startups actually search for business models. And, and so at their core, that meant we had spent a hundred years of building tools and techniques for execution. That is, the degree you get from a business school is the master of business administration, not the master of business um, innovation. Th those are very different things. Uh, the, the graduate degree, an MBA, is how to manage an existing corporation. And there was nothing wrong with that. We trained generations of uh, corporate managers, but we didn't train generations of innovators. And that was kind of okay in the 20th century, but Certainly in Silicon Valley at the end of the 20th and certainly into the 21st, I just realized we were doing something pretty inefficient and we didn't even have a language to describe what was missing. So the Lean Startup was an attempt to provide that language and structure. And then at Stanford and then eventually in other schools, I realized to, to do that, we were also going to have to hack entrepreneurship education because the capstone class, uh, even in business schools and engineering schools, was still how to write a business plan. In fact, that was what we taught you when you said you wanted to be an entrepreneur, at least inside a university, and wanted to take a class. We taught you how to put a PowerPoint deck in and write a five-year forecast and put together a business plan and then present it, et cetera. Never once actually admitting that in the real world, no business plan survives first contact with customers. And it, it, it was even worse because most of us who were adjuncts who had been entrepreneurs and we're now teaching how to write a business plan actually knew we were lying to our students but but the bad part is we didn't know what else to teach them that is there were no other tools or classes or anything else and and so and just permit me to ramble in another minute or two is that i realized that not only were we're going to have to change the lean methodology outside in startups but we were going to have to throw a hand grenade into entrepreneurial education as well 
So I started a class at Stanford called the Lean Launchpad that basically put the principles of lean startup, business model design, customer development, and agile engineering in a class and started teaching that. And then where you and I ran into each other was that the class got adopted by the National Science Foundation as the basis of commercializing all science in the United States. And it became so successful that universities asked the, the National Science Foundation to train their educators. So I wrote a two and a half day class to teach other teachers how to teach this class focused on graduate education. And you were brave enough to kind of yeah. <laughs> fight your way Crazy into enough. a class, yeah. which had nothing to do with K through 12 educators. But I, so to answer your question, I was incredibly intrigued because of course, Innovation doesn't start in grad school. It doesn't start in universities. You know, it doesn't even start in school. It starts in the world around us. Is that we're not making the same thing we've been making for the last couple thousand years. The innovation's all around us. And more importantly, the pace of innovation is picking up. And so the education that our kids learned in the 20th century not doesn't necessarily prepare them for life in the 21st. And that's why I was intrigued with what you wanted to do with the lean startup methodology. Now, was that your question? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now, absolutely, no, that's great. And then, and then what we've seen in these past uh, three years since is uh, we've seen this explode. And uh, I would bet that of the thousands and thousands and thousands of people who are now taking classes uh, and learning uh, the lean startup methodology and that as the basis of their entrepreneurship uh, education or endeavor, not all of them are not only going to be successful entrepreneurs, but probably a lot of them aren't even intending to become entrepreneurs. Right. And so that to me is kind of interesting and that's really, I mean, think about the difference between entrepreneurship education today versus when you and I met. And so what is that about? Why would, why would we care? Like, why do you think we care about K-12 students who, many of whom will never take on a startup, um, experiencing entrepreneurship education? I mean, that to me is what's been really, really interesting is it's for me personally with what we're seeing in k-12 it's not even necessarily about whether these kids you know become the next 12 year old who's got a successful startup at all of course and 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 I, when i teach this in university so you know i don't assume every one of my students are going to want to do a startup in fact you know, I'm I'm hoping to scare most of them away away from it. Because the numbers aren't so good, right? Well, I remind them is that um, you know, even though startups are now cool and part of the lexicon, um, it's a startup. At least being a founder of a startup is not a job. It's it's a calling. In fact, it's more more of a calling. It's it's closer to. And I teach my students that entrepreneurship as a founder is you're closer to an artist than any other profession. Yeah, I think I know, I know that's true. And it's your entire life. It's all consuming. Right. Yeah, It's all consuming. You see things and hear things that other people don't. You know, most of the things you do are failed, you know, experiments, etc. And if you're doing it for the money, it's almost zen-like because the money runs away from you. 
if you're doing it because you're called, uh, then you enjoy it because of the journey, not because of the uh, the rewards. Now, the nice part about entrepreneurship is there are large rewards, but those are, at least to true founders, are almost secondary. Um, and so, so that's that's one. Two is, you know, whether the students are going to be entrepreneurs themselves or not, they're going to be living in a society that's just dramatically changed than where their parents lived. And in terms of, of how the workforce is structured, the nature of work itself, how problems get understood and solved, the speed of, of change. And if they still think that it's, you know, a 20th century factory, like in, you know, the old movies, they're going to be solely disappointed or, or kind of like their head's going to be spinning around going, well, what's going on? Or how do I even cope with that? And, and if you just think of about what you're teaching and what I teach, but when applied to K through 12, I consider those basic survival skills in the workplace so do I. Uh, yeah. for the 21st century. And in fact, what you did to, to, to my stuff is actually got it down to a, a way that other educators could, could teach it through K through 12, but more importantly, so students could grasp the lessons without, without having getting pedantic about the the terms or the terminology or the, you know, or the details, but they grasp it intuitively. I mean, getting out of the classroom is probably the most fun thing these students do, right? And, and talking to customers, oh, hey, wait a minute, this is, this is class? What are you talking about? Uh, and, and I think you've seen it. They're, they're actually, a good number of them are more fearless than the adults and talking to people and asking them about, you know. Oh, and like, it's empowering, right? I mean, right. It's, it's what I call, they, they gain a substantive confidence. And what we're doing is we're creating sort of um, the curricular systems so that a classroom teacher in K-12 can actually do this thing. How do, you, how do you teach this as a course? But they get out of the building and they talk to people and they realize um, what they're capable of in not, not only in learning, but in creating um, and in their own, with the, the power of their own ideas and their ability to turn them into something. It's pretty exciting stuff. And I think that's something that sticks with them their whole lives. So once you, um, you, you know, when, once they know that this is something they could do, it's not something adults do or something that especially you've got to be a tech nerd to do this or, 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 or if you are a nerd, you, gee, you hire salespeople to do this, but knowing that, oh, that's what this is about, I just think it changes their view uh, for the rest of their lives. And, and, you know, as an educator, that's, that's your job, right, is to uh, kind of plant those seeds of, what, of what's possible. Um, and I think of entrepreneurship education as the art of what's possible. Um, and, and at least in the United States, um, and some parts of the world, there is no limits on what's possible. In fact, uh, if you use the artist uh, metaphor again, uh, the the amount of entrepreneurship that occur, can occur in a country is is directly related to the amount of art that a dissident could do. That is, when you when you actually put bounding boxes around artists and say, no, you can't go here, here, or here, you're, uh, because you can't offend X, Y, and Z then that's about the equivalent of what you could do about entrepreneurship in that same country is no, 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 there are these state-owned enterprises or you can't criticize the government or you can't, no, this is owned by the president's cousin. But in the U.S., the bounding box is almost unlimited. Uh, in fact, only limited by your imagination. You 
they might ignore you or they might laugh at you, but that you don't end up with broken kneecaps or new partners or in jail. Um, and, and I think teaching our students, there are no limits on what we have to tell them, you know, don't go here. Or, no, you could tell them you too could launch rockets to Mars or build electric cars or, or whatever. And, and by the way, you know, both of those were done by immigrants. Right. Well, and, you know, it's funny because you talk about the, the art of it. And I also think it's interesting, the science of innovation or of entrepreneurship, which is what really a lot of what you set the, you, what you really did with Lean Launchpad right. is you, you started. Adopted the scientific method, right? Yeah. 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 So, which made the techies kind of adopted as well. So. So you're right. The, I never realized this until you said it, but Lean actually has two interesting intersections. One is the metaphor of the artist, but the other is the methodology itself is, a, is almost identical to the scientific method. You come up, with hypo, come up with hypotheses, you design some experiments to test them, you get out of the lab, in this case out of the building, classroom, you, you go test them, you know, and if they fail, you don't you know, like get fired or shot or quit, you go, yep, and then, you know, that didn't work. All right, well, what did we learn? Take that data and modify the hypothesis and then go run it again to either validate or invalidate hypotheses. These t this time, though, these hypotheses are around what we call commercialization. That is, we might have an idea, but can we sell it, build it, sell it in enough quantity? Are there customers? Do they like the features? Is this the right price? You know, what's the distribution channel? Is it a web the thing or do we is it is it a license or is it freemium all those are experiments in the old days we wouldn't do that in the old days we would write a plan we'd write a five-year forecast um, and then we would like spend all that time and money executing just assuming our plan was right because people said oh here it's you're a genius take some money go go build this and only find out at the end after we burn through a lot of time money etc um, you know it's very funny is that the uh, uh, when startups were doing five-year plans, that is, their investors would, would make them write five-year looks into the future, called five-year forecasts, um, no one ever made the observation that they were actually, investors were making startups do five-year plans on a series of unknowns, meaning large companies could do five-year plans because they had knowns. They had known customers and known distribution channel, known salespeople, known competitors, but Startups were a series of unknowns, and the only two organizations in the entire world who did five-year plans on, on unknowns were the Soviet Union and venture capitalists. And it didn't work well for at least one of those groups, and I'll contend for the second one, they probably left, a, at least for venture capitalists, they left a lot of money on the table when they could have been more efficient about how to build these, these new organizations. Yeah, it's like if you're able, if I can uh, make all the assumptions I want, uh, then I can set the table for any conclusion I care to come up with. Right. But well, well the, pro the, the problem is, is very smart people, um, and, and I used to do this all the time, and I'm not sure I was very smart people, but I would fall in the trap of assuming I understood the, a customer problem. That is, I wrote it in the plan, therefore it must be true. Somebody loved it, gave me money. The real trap is not that you thought you understood the problem, the real trap is then you immediately go, well, if I understand the problem now, all I need to do is build the solution. Don't bother me. I'm here coding or building hardware or whatever. Oh, yeah, and I'll ship it. And then I'll just stand back and make sure I have a big enough office to put the bags of money that will naturally come. 
and, and it gets pretty lonely because no money is coming in after you ship it because you got it wrong in step one. You assumed you understood the problem in enough detail to actually build the solution that people would want, love, use, etc. When in fact you should have actually done things that might be more uncomfortable, which is actually getting out, talking to people, building what we call minimum viable products that is iterative and incremental prototypes at different points to to get people's feedback, um, which, by the way, none of this guarantees success, but it guarantees getting more information and data much earlier in the game than we used to be able to do. Which, yeah, it's all all about a different landscape because of technology. One of the one of the things that's been interesting. So you were there. You pushed me to do this first workshop, and we did it in your living room, and uh, where we had educators come and 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 we. Uh, you know, trained them on how to build their own entrepreneurship K-12 programs. Yep. And, the and it's been amazing, huh? It's been pretty amazing. And what what has evolved since then, and actually the, the kind of the big epiphanies for me that first summer, that first workshop, were number one, uh, that there were all these teachers from all over the country who were really excited about doing this, about learning how to do this. And they weren't entrepreneurship teachers, all of them. There were yep. science teachers and history teachers and math teachers. And so that was crazy. And the other thing that was crazy to me was that we actually could teach teachers to do this and that we could, over time, we've been helping teachers use these systems and these methodologies uh, to teach Chinese history and to teach uh, statistics and to teach subject matter courses in K-12, but in a way that allows students to, I mean, it's been kind of crazy transformative for these students because they're, they're learning in the course of working on real problems. And these methodologies that, uh, you know, in other contexts, people are learning to create you know, high-tech startup businesses can be adopted in a fifth-grade social studies class. Yep, it's kind of crazy. It is kind of crazy, and and I think it's uh, it's the fact that the framework is just so general that it allows you to adapt and adopt it to almost any curriculum because it goes back to the basics of scientific method, right? And scientific method doesn't limit you to what kind of science you're testing. It's just kind of a a set of first principles. And I think the lean methodology, you know, might turn out to be, you know, almost as durable. Yeah, that would be actually amusing to me to find out. <laughs> I built Pretty fun. Not just a fad. Yeah. Actually has some, some, but, but, you know, my hope, by the way, about the lean methodology is, as I tell people, it's not the methodology, it's a methodology, uh, but please let me know if you have a better one. Um, but I think over, hopefully over time, people will improve on it. But, you know, you just made me think it might be as durable as the scientific method in that it seems to be adaptable and generalizable enough to work across a whole set of whether it's social studies or let's, you know, do political science or let's do something else. Yeah, um, well, I think I think that I think it is going to be as durable. I think that, you know, the way I describe it is it's the scientific method for today. And today is a time when we're doubling our, you know, collective knowledge 
every year. <laughs> so, and, and I have to tell you, for for me, uh, you know, back to K through twelve, my daughters uh, took a um, what was called an entrepreneurship class in middle school in the school. I won't name it, but it's here in Silicon Valley. It was a girls. It was a middle school for girls. Um, and, and they felt incredibly innovative that they were teaching this entrepreneurship class. And here I am sitting in the middle of it and realizing it, what they're essentially teaching them is how to run a lemonade stand, meaning it was actually a innovation entrepreneurship. And this was a considered cutting edge and they still teach it, which I cringe. Um, it was basically, you know, how to run a small business. Now there's nothing wrong with small businesses in the United States. There's still, the majority of businesses, but but to call that innovation, I, I think, was a mistake. And, and in fact, I, I truly believe the educators themselves were confused. If you want to run a small business class for for K through 12, then feel free to do that. That is, you know, they were truly teaching them about balance sheet and income statement and cash flow, and you know how to do manufacturing and. That was all fine, which and I called it a glorified lemonade stand class, though obviously they made, you know, little jewelry and they made cookies and they made something else. But 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 that wasn't the curriculum I was thinking about innovation. I mean, you could teach those same kids about how to get out of the building, how to talk to customers, how to like actually understand customer needs and desires, how to pivot, how to iterate, how to do whatever. And well, you might end up with the same products. I will contend you end up was something a lot more interesting that, that wouldn't look like anything that, that these kids have done before. Does that make sense? I don't yeah, know well, I, oh my gosh. Well, yeah. totally. I think it's, I think the, the issue is it's apples and oranges and, and right. the, the word entrepreneurship and yeah. I'm, you know, for a long time for me, I don't know if this has been true for you, for me for a long time, the minute I said entrepreneurship education, that's where people went. People went to, oh, you're teaching business. You're teaching business, and this is what that means. It means uh, financial. Are you teaching them, you know, financials? Accounting, and to, right. right. And, and fortunately, it's getting a lot better now where I think more people realize that entrepreneurship's more about a mindset, and it's more about what you're saying. It's innovation. It's how to, how to innovate um, more than anything else, and it's an entirely different animal. So it's the difference between creation and accounting, right? Right. And 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 again, I don't want your listeners to to think that I think there's anything wrong with accounting, but not understanding the distinction of it between do you want to teach your kids accounting, or do you want to teach them how to innovate? They are not the same thing. Now, now you know my joke is great entrepreneurs eventually hire accountants, but accountants don't start startups well very and, interesting yeah and and to put it in the k-12 sort of space if you want a student to get to learn really hard uh physics um it, you know given the rate of change in physics and science and technology and all of that can you can a student or a team of students work on a contemporary problem they care about, applying the scientific method to it, and in the course of it, how, do they end up as a byproduct learning a ton of physics if right. you set it up right? Yeah, right. they do. And, and, and I think you just mentioned another key characteristic of how I think you, you teach in K through 12 and how we learn 
had to teach it as well, is that entrepreneurship is a team-based sport. <laughs> that is, this is not some individual coming up with a great idea in a garage and running a little something themselves. It, it also brings in is how do you work with others who are not you? It's huge. With, with different mindsets, different motivations, different whatever. And I know that's how you teach it. That, that, uh, it's a huge okay. part. Yeah, yeah. how to collaborate. And it's not, a, it's not just a, well, we hope they figure it out along the way. A huge part of our curriculum is about teaming and collaboration. And you said earlier that it's really about learning skills. Um, and the other piece is that, that I know you emphasize, which is what the kids love, is it's experiential, right? I mean, they, they love that. They you love know, it. It's like, it's like, oh, man, we're not sitting in the classroom listening to you. We get to talk and we get to whatever and we get to experiment. It's, it's relevant. It's meaningful, right? And, so I just, you know, I, I was telling somebody the other day when you and I were kids in a classroom and the teacher was going on and on about something – and you were thinking to yourself, or I can say for myself, I was thinking, why, why do I need to know this? Right. Uh, I assumed that the adults, you know, when my parents said, just trust me, you need to know it. Someday you'll be glad. I believed them. Uh, but kids today, with the, they, they see the world through their smartphones from the time they're very young. And when they're sitting in the room, if I'm going on and on for 45 minutes about something, and I tell them, don't worry, trust me, you memorizing this is really going to be important to you later. They know it's not true. <laughs> so they want to work on something relevant. So I, I, I want to ask you, when you, when, kind of a last, a last thing, when you kind of scan the landscape of all the thousands and thousands of, of uh students and programs where, that you've seen adopting lean startup methodologies and you think about the, when it's done well, the kind of skills people are learning. What, what, do, you, what do you think? Well, you know, I think the, the best skills is that students, you know, can immediately ask is, is this a fact or is this a hypothesis? You know, it's like, do we, do we know this or do we believe this? And, and, and if we know it, then we could start, you know, building solutions to it. But if we just think it, what's the consequence of like, you know, like getting it wrong versus actually making some effort and trying to get some, you know, facts inside the building. I, I think that's the, the biggest one. And, and then again, the biggest thing that falls out of that is they get skills about, making eye contact with adults uh, and, uh, you know, some adults even have that problem, but, but, um, but teaching, teaching students early that that's kind of easy to do. And, and surprisingly, at least in our culture, people are more than happy to give you some answers in a way that kind of blows most kids away, even blows adults away is, Hey, they were happy to talk to me. Yeah. Yeah, and they learn how to communicate as well. It's an amazing yeah. thing. How about you? Is that what? Yeah, that what I mean, yeah. I, I think they, I think they, uh, I think they learn. You know, all those C's, those C skills everybody's talking about. But it's true. They, they learn creative problem solving. They learn how to innovate. They learn how to collaborate in a big way. Yeah. And that's really rough at first. That we don't, yeah. we just don't, we don't give them opportunities to learn that in traditional school or even in in kind of their day-to-day -day life that much um, and they learn um, 
they learn what it is to do something really well. To your point about what, what do I know versus what do I just believe, uh, they have to be able to give and articulate the proof behind what they're saying if they say it's a fact. And that's really useful. Um, and they, they have to learn how to communicate. And the other thing that is kind of crazy interesting to me in all this, in all these uh, programs that either we've built or we've helped others build, it opens students up to the rest of the world outside the classroom. They have to be engaged and they want to be engaged with what's going on outside the building, outside the classroom, in the world. And getting 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 16-year-olds, 18-year-olds to really genuinely be interested in things outside of their own little world is a transformative experience for these guys. It's really yeah. cool. And I think you've put together the program for K through 12 educators and K through 12 students. And so I'm, uh, I'm proud to say I was there at the beginning, Doris, but you've, you, you've taken it and, and, uh, and you and Hawken have run with this uh, in a way that I think has been great for everybody. Well, so. you've, thank you, Stephen. You've been a you've been a huge supporter, and we'll see you we'll see you in your living room this summer again. Yeah. Right, looking forward to it. <laughs> okay, right. thanks, Steve. Take, bye. take care. Bye bye. If you like the podcast, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. For more information and resources, go to doschoolbetter.com. Podcasts created by Tim Desmond, Doris Corda and Allison Tanker, produced by Tim Desmond.